Mbawale for the win. Good! Alike Okunbawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Pino gets the crossing. He's towards one man. championship medal. She is the greatest of all time. You just can't say it enough. Wow. Women's singles champion, Serena Williams. Large. Williams into Bird in the corner. You bet. She's done it again. Sue Bird. You're listening to All In, a women's sports podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome everyone and all in WFUV's Women's Sports Podcast. It is my favorite time of the week and that is when we record all in. I'm joined in here today by Taylor Massetta and Maddie Vamonti. We have such a great show lined up today. We're going to talk about the NWSL Championship which just concluded last week. USA Gymnastics, they just won and we're going to close out with some mental health talk in sports. But first, before we get into all of that, Taylor, Maddie, how are you guys doing? <sighs> it has been one long week, but you know, I'm happy to be here with you guys to talk a little sports. Yeah, I think midterm season kind of hit me a little late in the year, so I'm like kind of struggling a little bit right now, but it's nice to kind of just like let loose and relax with everybody right now. But yeah, Maddie, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing good, but I feel also like midterms have gone on for 3,000 weeks, and I just can't wait for them to finally end for everybody because, man, has it been tough. I feel like we've just been running, 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 haven't stopped, and it's November now, which is crazy to me because it's almost Thanksgiving, and I'm very excited to go home, see my family, and enjoy Thanksgiving. Maddie, you mentioned running, running, running. And one of our hosts here have actually been doing that quite a lot recently. And that's where we're going to start today. Taylor, for those who don't know, is on the track team for Vordham University. And she just competed in her A-10 tournament. And Taylor, first of all, first question, just give us a little overview on, you know, how it works, what it is for those who don't know. So fall is cross country season. And this is where you basically run a 5K or a 6K, depending on the meet you're at like on like a course that's like in a designated like park so basically how a10s worked this year was that it was a 5k in richmond virginia because the university of richmond is in the atlantic 10 so we took a bus down there it was a 5k course the a10 is a little different than a lot of other conferences in the ncaa because a lot of ncaa conferences do 6k instead of 5k for conferences we do the 5k and my i'm a mid-distance runner So it makes my heart very happy to run a little shorter than I have to. So yeah, basically 5K goes off and the team scoring, it's a little strange. So basically the first five people of each team get points for the team and the team with the lowest combined score wins. So let's say you get first place, you get one point, second place, two points, like on and on and on. And then those first, the the team with the first five like runners over the line will win since they have the lowest combined score. So I'm pretty sure it was um, the Loyola Ramblers won this year and their first year in the Atlantic 10 wow. on the men's and the women's side. So that was that was really cool for them. The magic of Sister Jean, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Queen. Oh, my gosh. If, it, if she was at that meet. Oh, man, that would have made my entire <laughs> Where was day. it? It was in um, Virginia. So it was in 
like the town of Richmond, but I wasn't at the campus. Sister Jean can make that trip. Yeah. We have like, there's really a million Virginia schools in the A-10. Really? There like, really is. There's so many of them. You got Richmond, George Mason, VCU. I think I'm forgetting one, but <laughs> I've I've been to Virginia more times than I can count being a part of this team. And how yeah. was the drive? I got to ask. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. It was like seven or eight hours on the way down this a little longer back because we would stop at like a rest stop like midway because we need food but the problem is there we, the ones that we stopped at only had like one or two restaurants so we would all be waiting online and it just wasn't really great food but yeah like the drive back just felt so long because I was coming back and getting ready for like Halloween and I was so excited to get into my costume so it just felt like forever and something tells me that a drive to virginia doesn't exactly include a lot of fun cities to drive through that sounds like a lot of interstate entries i'm pretty sure we do drive through like maryland like like i think it might i don't even remember what city does <laughs> is but we drive underground for like a solid five minutes in this tunnel that's baltimore yes baltimore <laughs> i was like she knows geography yeah. i'm familiar with the drive myself i make the drive twice a year when i come up to fordham to move in and move out and it is big southern gal nine to ten hours of <laughs> driving it is not fun and I, I i'm sitting here complaining about oh seven hour drive to virginia like it's twice still bad. a year it's still bad whoa guys it still sucks i'm Maddie, on a coach bus no, i'm on a coach suck. bus but um yeah that tunnel's cool but yeah, we make the stop to Delaware House every year. Nice. It's yeah. So, so fun. we've covered the drive there. I'm curious as to when you're getting ready for the race. Like what kind of goes through your mind when you're preparing? Like is there do you have any like pre-match is it a match? Is it a um race. A race. Do you have any pre-race rituals? Like what's your what's your preparation like? Um, so it kind of differs every time. In high school, I used to go into races like very negatively, like, oh, this is going to be so hard, blah, 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 because then the res the end result would inevitably be better than what I prepared for. But since I came to college, I realized I was putting myself on like putting yourself in a very negative headspace is really rough, especially if you don't get the results that you want. And I've had many races here where I don't really get the results I was planning for and I just would get really down. So the past couple of years, I've been just trying to like kind of fix that mindset. So I go in like try as hyped as humanly possible. Like I tell my teammates, I'm like, I'm going to be annoyingly positive and that they, they love me for it as far as I know. Um, but I try to like kind of like visualize the race before. Like sometimes I'll go and like sit in a corner, put like a motivational song on, just kind of visualize running like that my own race. Um, so I'm very, previous, I, I'm very big on like what I eat beforehand. Mm -hmm. Hotel breakfasts are my arch nemesis because they are just so bad. So I usually bring my own oats. Like I got some like protein bars. I discovered this new matcha bar from Whole Foods Ooh. that from Urban Remedy. It's really good. They're so I like that. putting matcha on everything now. I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. I can honestly go into that later. But um, yeah, so like before the raids, I just kind of try to have like a positive outlook. Sometimes it's more important to figure out like what you're thinking during the race itself. Um, one of my sports psychologists has told me last year to think of every race as an opportunity and that you're lucky to be there like in that moment. And that has helped me so much like to feel like grateful for being there and just competing. And I think it's helped a lot with like results that I'm not exactly like super happy with. But I'm like, hey, I mean, at least I can go out and run like I had a really bad foot injury last season. And I there was a time where I just could not walk. And now I'm running again. Like, I'm not running as fast as I wanted to, but, like, I'm still here. I'm still showing up. So that's, like, something that kind of runs through my head. And I'm also telling myself, pass people. Don't get passed. Pass people. 
which I usually end up getting past. But, you know, once again, I will say cross country is not my strong suit. I'm more an 800 gal. So, yeah, that's like some things I like kind of like cycle through mentally. Yeah. Yeah. So for the people that don't know, when is the next tournament you'll be competing in? Um, So we're kind of weird because cross country is over next weekend. So we'll be competing in the NCAA regional championship. So that'll actually be on our home course at Van Cortland. Oh, nice. Yeah. So this is our last A-10s like because cross country only has like one A-10 tournament. Like, yeah, we'll like o- cross over of some like teams that ever meets. But this is the one time we're able to go. So yeah, this is what we've been training for all season. The girls ended up t- placing 13th. Not the team finish we really were hoping for, but we all ran season's bests in the 5K. I ran a season's best, so I'm like, nice. I can't, we, none of us can really complain there. Right. Um, so our next, like, A-10, like, meet, it comes in indoor, so that'll be, like, mid-February. So then we'll probably, oh, I think we might be going to Rhode Island this year. We usually end up having it in Virginia, but we'll go to, I think it's URI. We'll go to their indoor track, compete there. That'll be mid-February. And then our final A-10 championship is in May. I'd like Yeah, the first week of May for outdoor. So, like, I, I run three separate seasons here. Mm-hmm. So, it's like a whole bunch, but yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I am excited to tune in, and I know you're going to do great. I know this might be your last year, might not, to be determined. Hey, I got that extra year of eligibility. You do, you do. I'm excited to see how it turns out. We are going to transition now to the National Women's Soccer League. The the season just finished up with the championship, and believe it or not, Portland Thorns are now the winners. They're the champions. They won 2-0, to zero. not to flex too hard, but if I remember correctly, I did exactly predict that it would be 2-0, to zero, and that was the end score. It is their third championship in the NWSL. The MVP of the league, Sophia Smith, really showed out, scored the first goal, hit him with a little shrug. We'll talk about why a little later. In the 56th minute, an own goal was scored, and that really sealed the game. And uh, my first question, Maddie, what do you think? What are your overall thoughts of the game? Portland really, truly was what I said last week, the New New England Patriots of that game. They were unbeatable. They were so good. They were so consistent. And Sophia Smith really led that team 22 years old leading this team and it was just almost making a mockery out of the Kansas City defense who really was not good at all in the game Um, there was no communication between the back line and French and I don't know why that was not addressed early on by the coach because this was a consistent problem throughout the entire game when you have a goal scored in the first four minutes you got to say there's a communication problem Um, but Smith just was terrific in the first half specifically. She almost had another goal in the 26th minute. She was doing some back-and-forth footwork with Klingenberg, somebody who I've missed on the U.S. Women's National Team roster for a while. Um, but she was just so impressive, you know, taking on three defenders at a time. She was getting through balls constantly, um, and they were really building those plays. And, and I loved the pass consistency between everybody really in that offense kind of working together with Sophia Smith. Absolutely. And and you make a good point. The first goal was an absolutely brutal mistake by Elizabeth Ball, one of the d- defensive players. And when you, I mean, you, she slid the ball. She was obviously trying to side tackle it away, but she unfortunately hit it right in Sophia Smith's path. And when you have a player like Sophia Smith, she doesn't miss that chance all too often. And she didn't hear. And uh, man, I think experience really, really showed through today. Portland has been there before. They showed they've been there before. Klingenberg, like you said, was was huge. But, I mean, all things considered, even though Kansas City lost this game, they 
overperform to such a max that I don't even think they could be upset. Oh, definitely no. And I think watching the current this season, it, we we see it all the time in other sports. The current has been, gotten hot. They got hot against other teams, and they made their way all the way to the championship match. But they should be very proud of where they got, regardless of the issues that they had. No, for sure. And the current, they're a relatively new team. They were founded in 2020, became an expansion team in 2021. They are so new, and they are already doing so well. And it's a, it's an absolutely stunning turnaround from like the last season. They were like last in the entire NWSL, and now they're in the finals. Like, it's just so exciting to see. And they have such a bright future coming ahead. Like their owners have just invested like over one hundred thirty million, one hundred thirty five million dollars into a new trading facility. I think the best is yet to come for this team, and it's really exciting to see them come this far into the season so early in their like creation. Absolutely, and I'm such a fan of their head coach Casey Stoney. She she came here from Manchester United, and she's just she's just really embodied what the NWSL is and I think she's while she has embodied the NWSL she's also brought in her own her own charm from from the uh, women's super league and I think that's been really interesting to see but but speaking more on to what Portland is what's so interesting to me is how beginning a winning culture can have an incredible ripple effect for years to come what players like Sauerbrunn, Tobin Heath, Alex Morgan, Sinclair, Klingenberg and, and others have started has really translated into what they are now. And while they do still have a lot of those players, I mean, Christian Sinclair has committed to another year, which is absolutely incredible. She's a monster. But once those players like Klingenberg, Sinclair, Sauerbrunn, once they retire, they've already brought in their future. They already have Sophia Smith, Olivia Moultrie, and Bella Bixby. And Portland is going to be scary for a long time to come. Oh, definitely. And, and I think when you see Sophia Smith at 22, like I mentioned, excellent all year. I was actually watching the U.S. women national team documentary about her and learning about her history and she's just so incredibly like and cool to see her go from Stanford for like a year or two to move to play to Portland for her you know club career where she was driving two and a half hours round trip to go to her practices like those are the kind of players you want on your team to see that and I I think I also want to call in to one of my favorite moments of the match in particular was watching Sinclair come off the field and be replaced by Crystal Dunn. And the energy you saw from those two players was absolutely incredible to watch. I love seeing stuff like that with the team, with sports. You can tell that they are incredibly good with communication, with you know how much they get along with each other, and that shows on the field. And we saw that with Portland. And like you mentioned, this is going to excel for a long period of time. This culture that they have is so strong that any other team is really going to have a tough time trying to get over it. Yeah, and just listen to some of these stats from like Smith. So she's the league's youngest MVP in history at 22. That's she's the youngest player to score in an NWSL championship. She's the second and and she is the second NWSL player to win league MVP and score in an NWSL championship in the same season. Like, talk about accolades in so early in her career. Like, I'm so excited to see what she can do next. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, her uh, MVP win, and after she scored that first goal in the fourth minute, she she flashed the crowd a little shrug, and she said afterwards uh, the reason behind that is there's a lot of people, there's a lot of haters out there who really don't think she should have won MVP, and that shrug was really just uh, to show that, you know, She's there for a reason. She won that MVP for a reason, and I, I'm completely behind the decision. She's played an incredible season, like you've mentioned. Another little funny funny thing that came from this game is uh, the post-game celebration. <laughs> As you know, there 
in any sport, when you win a huge game, there is going to be booze galore. And unfortunately for Olivia Moultrie, who is 17, only been she's been playing for the Portland Thorns for a full two seasons. So she like joined the team when she was 15. There are pictures out there. I definitely suggest looking it up where they're trying to take pictures of these players celebrating and you see in like the back corner of all of them just Olivia Moultrie by herself just like low-key judging it's so it's it's so funny I would definitely suggest looking at that and she also made a really funny comment that uh she had to actually go to court to get <laughs> wait, wait wait what she had to go to court to get approved to play in the NWSL because she was so young before her you couldn't play in the NWSL I think it was before you were 18. Wow. Um, but she changed that. She was the first player under 18 to ever play. And, and she said after the game, this was so going worth going to court for. And I thought that mm-hmm. was that was really funny. That's but, adorable. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Any closing thoughts on, on the NWSL season? Man, I'm just really impressed out of what I saw. And, and to see also the crowd reception at that final championship game was, was crazy. And I love watching that. And I hope this continues going forward. I hope my courage can make a big run next season. I will be at a game. I will make an appearance. But, yeah, it was a terrific season. Portland, good as always, securing that championship. Uh, but props to Kansas City for that long run they had. No, for sure. And I heard that there was, like, record viewership numbers for this game and it just goes to show how much the NWSL is just growing and I know they've come it's been a tough year for them with the Yates report and a lot of coaches being exposed for being abusive so it's just hopeful to see what the future of this like soccer league can be with more positive leadership and just overall just like a healthier like I don't even know how, how to word this, but just like a healthier environment. There we go. Um, it, it, I'm just so excited to see what can come next. And I'm like so happy for the foreigns. I know they've had a bit of like a rough stretch with like Paul Riley and like everything going on with them. So to see them still come around, come up on top with like a much like better future. I'm just like really excited to see what's up to come. Absolutely. And you mentioned the record breaking uh, stats. I'm going to end with this before we switch subjects. 915,000 viewers tuned in to the NWSL championship game, making it the most viewed game in league history. And I think if there's anything that's going to show that this league is in good hands and and making strides, it's that stat. But now we are going to move on to the USA gymnastics team. The U.S. women's gymnastics team has claimed a record-breaking sixth world championship gold medal in a row, even without Simone Biles. I, I mean, it's just incredible how dominating this team is. Six straight world championships I mean that is again just absolutely incredible what are you guys' thoughts on this I think it's crazy that all this happened without Biles and also Suni Lee who has also hasn't competed who is a, a huge addition to the team um, and they were really allowed to rally Blakely had a, a tough fall but she was making her world championship debut um, something huge for this team and, and it speaks to how now with the likeness name image um consistency with the NCAA and the top gymnastics now that they're finally able to be professional and play and compete at this world level you're seeing this new young generation of um, talented gymnasts come in and it's incredible to watch because I remember watching back in 2012 the team looked entirely different and to see a whole new roster of uh, talented women come into play it's crazy it's great and they had a great fantastic finish at the world's. Yeah, and I think you got to look a little down the podium. There's another story there. So host country, Great Britain, they scoop up the silver. But can't Team Canada, 
first time the country has ever stood on the podium at these world championships with that bronze. And they barely topped Brazil. They beat Brazil for the podium spot by less than a point. That is such a close margin. And like Brazil's got Rebecca Andrade on that team. And you know she's bringing in like a ton of points. So it is so incredibly exciting for Canada to see like how like they just they've made history for their nation. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said before, they were without Simone Biles, who is currently taking an extended leave of absence from gymnastics to focus on mental health. And I think it, I think it's a great opportunity to bring up this this topic, especially because we have a student athlete here right now. Um, Taylor, I was wondering what your thoughts on how to balance mental health and sports, because I know especially getting to the professional level and then the collegiate level, it, it, the, the line probably blurs a little bit. And I was wondering, what what is that like for you? Um, balancing mental I often say that mental health is just as important, if not more important, than physical health when you're being an athlete. I've had many struggles, like, since, like, coming to college, like, with, regarding results and stuff, like, because I had a really really successful end to my high school career like we won new england's so i was an all-american and i came to college like kind of expecting like a massive like drop in times and that didn't happen immediately and it crushed me i spent days just wondering why i wasn't enough like why was this was happening just like comparing myself to like my teammates and like oh man i'm not as good as them i'm never gonna be that good and i just spiraled until it, it was just like a depressive spiral just putting all that pressure on myself and with the pandemic that didn't really help and but it took me a really long time to find and a couple quite a few wake-up calls where i just realized like i'm a person like i'm a student athlete but i'm also a person and i had to take care of myself first and foremost and so I kind of like took a step back mentally and was like, okay, I need to start coming into things like a little more positively. I need to stop harping on myself so much. And last year was a successful year for me. I mean, I ran my PR in the 800 again. And I remember nice. like crossing that line and I was like just sobbing of happiness. My teammates were actually concerned. They were like, why are you crying? Are you okay? I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm emotional. But um, I stopped letting times define who I was. And I knew like I kept doing that and it was just making me feel so worthless when I should have just been excited to be like a D1 athlete, like contributing to this team. And I think that like I was saying earlier, it's like completely like I've completely changed my mindset when I'm approaching races, especially with cross country, like hasn't really necessarily gone my way this year. But I also could not walk at this time six months ago. The fact that I'm running right now is just like an achievement in itself. So I think many athletes wherever they realize it or not put like an immense amount of pressure on themselves to perform and like the sometimes it doesn't help if like teammates and coaches are like have super high expectations for you too and they don't know when to stop like when the, when how much is too much so like with Biles taking a step back she uh, I can't even imagine the position she's in with the entire world like putting pressure on you to perform and get that gold and like I knew people were really mad when she like dropped out of the Olympics but it just goes to show that it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to not be okay. Like, I realized this earlier, like, a lot of the, the motivations that I had running last year, I wanted to show the world that I was okay and do really well. When I was not, I was struggling with, like, loss of friendships and, like, didn't really feel as fast as I wanted to be. And that is just the worst possible mindset to, like, run with. So for her to, like, take a stand and take a step back when the entire world is resting on her shoulders just takes an incredible amount of strength. Yeah, and we're seeing more and more this happening, and it's I think it's an abs like words can't say enough on how incredible it is. We've seen Biles do it, we've seen Osaka do it, and I mean you make a good point. 
mental health should be equated to the same as physical health. And I think especially for athletes, it's important for you to be physically healthy, obviously, because most sports are physical. But if you don't have that mental aspect there as well, your physical health is going to to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. So I think we're seeing more and more athletes taking a stand for themselves. And I think that's obviously an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going off of that, I I think what's crazy about the whole thing is, Taylor, when you explain everything, how hard it is and how you are on yourself, when you think about it with the professional athlete, they have the entire world then on themselves, like you mentioned. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine that position. Like I get stressed out enough, like with just like my small team. And I think at the end of the day, like it's hard to say like you need to put yourself first you need to put your happiness first like I've learned that over my past four years at Fordham like I'm not afraid to take a step back when I need to I'm not afraid to jump into new opportunities like honestly joining FEV was one of the best things I've ever done because it just I get to hang out with you wonderful women and like I just feel so much better about myself and it's important to have that balance but I do recognize a lot of these professional athletes might not have that same luxury because they, they're they're bringing home the Olympic titles. They're taking home the world titles. They need to be expected to come up and perform. But, like, it just takes, like, so much, like, fortitude to be able to be a professional athlete. And, I mean, I'm not in that position, so I don't really know exactly what gets goes on through their heads. But it also, like, it's just, like, oh, man. It's just, like, it's completely unbelievable. But I think, like, Biles is really paving the way for like professional athletes to know also like oh it's okay not to be okay I can do like I need to do what makes me happy right and I think I wanted to bring up something too because I think the topic has been talked about a little bit more now and, and I'm very you know happy to see a lot of these athletes being comfortable speaking up telling their story because so many young other athletes are really not aware and I actually had read a story this morning from a girl at the University of Maryland who was on track and field sharing her story about her struggles with eating disorders as a track and field athlete sharing um, how difficult it was how she has decided to overcome it now what she has done her entire story and how she's learning to be happy and I think regardless of sports it's just an inc- it's an incredibly moving story to read and hear from other people because People struggle no matter what, sports related or not. And so I think it's incredibly empowering to have idols, you know, celebrities you look up to in in athletics to be there and say, hey, we support you. We're going through the same thing. Just because you look at me in a certain way doesn't mean that I'm not experiencing what you are. And I think that's so um, what can really bring people together with sports. And I think that's something incredible to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like what a lot of like people like I see this on Twitter all the time I think people forget that these professional athletes are human and I know I like really get angry when I see people like harping on like athletes online like oh man they suck they're really bad like why do they keep doing this and I'm like they they are incredible athletes you don't you are not in their position like why hating on them is not going to make them any better or it just it's going to just deteriorate them a little bit and I just feel like these prof- like Simone Biles like taking that step down it humanizes her. We see her, we f- we can relate to her and makes us feel like a little less alone. And that I think is just more important than any title we bring back. Like we need these little girls to look up to women that are not afraid to say no and not afraid to like take a step back when they need to because happiness comes first. You need to put yourself first. Even though the entire world might be looking at you, at the end of the day, you want to be happy. You're the one that's living in your own shoes. And I think it's just incredibly powerful that, like, these professional athletes... Like, I feel like I, it's nice because I feel like I have someone that's, like, showing me it's okay to do that. And, like, I've learned that over the years. And it's just, like, incredibly motivational. 
Absolutely. And there's there are so many stories. And even with the U.S. Women's National Team, I read, I think it, I don't want to misquote this, but I think it was in Megan Rapinoe's book where she mentioned that they were just handing out like uh, anxiety medication like it was candy pre-World Cup um, without you know actually talking to them, seeing what they actually need. Um, but it seems now that we are seeing a good base set to spring off of to really put mental health at the forefront of conversations. And I can only hope that things will improve from here. It's been great to see this improvement, but there's obviously still more work to be done. This victory for the U.S. women's gymnastics team automatically qualifies Team Team USA for the Olympics. And it'll be really, really great to see where they go from here. I'm I'm only assuming great stuff will continue. But before we wrap up here, I really want to talk about an experience that we all had together a couple days ago. And that was uh, an event WFUV puts on each year. It's called On the Record. It is a fundraising event for WFUV where they also uh, they also award two broadcasters, one in news and one in sports, for their work. This year it was Mike Breen and Nora O'Donnell. And I, I know I speak for everyone when I say it was just an absolutely amazing experience. But I want to hear from you guys. What were your takeaways, your favorite parts? Maddie, we can start with you. I absolutely loved my experience. I want to give a quick shout out to one of our avid viewers, Malcolm Moran, who was the guy that made it all happen for us that night. It, it was absolutely incredible to see everybody out there um, celebrating sports and news and journalism as a whole. Um, I had an absolutely amazing time getting to meet some of my favorite in favorites in the journalism industry. And so I can't say in more words just how thankful I was to be able to attend and the experience that I got to share with some of my best friends. No, I agree. I was just absolutely beaming that entire time. Like we met so many cool people like Mike Breen, Michael Kay, Ryan Rucco, like just so many names and everyone like we talked to was just like honestly so excited about this podcast and the work we've been doing at FUV. And I just feel like just so excited to like meet other people in the industry. Like I'm just like so excited to be a part of this like journalism world. And like, I remember I was we Mike Breen's speech. He was talking about like his friends here at FUV and how welcomed he felt. And I remember I was literally tearing up to the table because I just felt the same way. Like I came in knowing no one and then I met you guys and I've just felt at home ever since. And it's just been so wonderful to like work on all do all of this with you guys. Absolutely. And I don't want to turn the t- in the I don't want to turn this into a complete sob fest, but when I came into Fordham, I did not know a single person, and, and FUV has really given me my group of friends, and I'm that speech also made me feel really grateful and, and really put into perspective how amazing it is to be here at WFUV. And, and another thing is just the, the room of people we were in. I remember just like turning around, and it would be like, Bob Costas is right there. Oh and, I, and I turn in another direction, and I'm like, oh my God, that's Ryan Rucco. Just being in that room was a dream come true and furthermore getting to talk to them share you know our experiences at WFUV was incredible as well yeah definitely and I really uh, there's like not much you can else say other than it was just crazy to be there to to meet so many incredible people uh there's it was just a magical night to really experience and get to see all the people that really make the station what the station is and and I hope to hopefully go to another one in the future but it was absolutely amazing, and I enjoyed every second of it with you guys in particular because I also came in knowing no one at Fordham that there's a trend here in the <laughs> studio tonight. Uh, I knew nobody as a transfer coming in, and to join the station and just be so welcomed by like the group of women that I met right off the bat was absolutely crazy and incredible, and 
I'm so glad that I was able to share that memory with you guys. No, for sure. And honestly, it was really just like motivational, like seeing all these people there. And I'm like, I cannot wait to be just like them, hopefully one day, you know? Absolutely. And I think that is just the most positive and uplifting place to end off today. I've had an amazing time talking with you guys. Like I said at the top of the show, it is my favorite time of the week, but that is going to conclude All In this week. I hope everyone has an amazing day. All In is a production of WFUV Sports.